He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Make sure that you know what your team's goals are. Not just professionally, but personally as well. And if you can align where you're going in the business with where they're going personally and professionally, they're never going to want to leave you. You know, because if they can get what they want through you as this vehicle, then why would they leave? So just treat your people well. Make sure that they know that you genuinely care about them. You talk to anybody on my team, they know I would do anything for them. And it works both ways, right? So that's what I mean about creating a culture of keeping the vision of where we're going and why that's important, but also that we're a team. And even six months ago, we had hired another VA. And within a month, I realized she wasn't on the calls anymore. I was like, what happened? And they were like, she wasn't a good fit. She just wasn't a culture fit. Like she wasn't that team player and she couldn't keep up with our high standards. And the team pushed her out. I didn't have to do anything. You know what I mean? So that's the power of a good culture. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, let's begin. All right, Nathan, welcome back to another Minute with Minute segment on Slick Talk. And the question is, since I'm a current customer of Minute, what are some pieces about Minute or the device that I may not know exist already? Mm, Good question. I think the things I tend to show our existing customers most would be that there are thresholds for alerts for quite a bit more than just noise. So for instance, with temperature, we can let you know via an alert. If the temperature is higher than you would like or lower than you'd like, uh, people tend to use that to let them know if the heat's gone out, for instance, uh, before a pipe burst or something much more expensive happens. Beyond that, there's also a quiet hours feature within our settings that sometimes people overlook. So yes, you have a threshold for noise, but now you can set quiet hours time frame where your tolerance is slightly lower for noise. I have mine set from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m., for instance. Lastly, our newest device is uh, indoor or outdoor accessible. So because it's weatherproof, you can choose to use it indoors or outdoors. And uh, if you're using it indoors, you have the ability to use it plugged in or unplugged. We get that question a lot. Um, So you can charge it and use it wirelessly. Or if you prefer to leave it plugged in all the time, that's fine. I love it. You heard it here first, folks. A minute with minute. And now back to the episode. All right, Slick Talkers, welcome back to another episode, and this guest is no stranger to the podcast. He has been on before, but it's actually been almost three years since we've had Mike Shogren on the podcast. I was on active Call of Duty, Call of Duty orders for the National Guard for doing COVID testing, and I was doing it in this Marriott hotel room. I was in there for months on end and got to have Mike Shogren on to talk about his first boutique hotel transitioning from short-term rental to this boutique hotel life. And now three years later and two conferences later, we get to have him on the show again. Mike, welcome back. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Of course, dude. Not only that, but we actually had you on for our our hospitality predictions of 2023 series for the network. So we've had a little bit of kind of crossover. So obviously the listeners are probably not unfamiliar with you, but let's give everyone a quick recap just from your journey in. It could be very quick. And then kind of what's happened in the last two to three years. Obviously there's a lot to touch on. And if people aren't following you, they're probably going to be like needing the show notes to go back to the first episode, but we'll make sure that they have that. Yeah. So I was a career accountant, right? I did what they told me to school, went to school, got good grades, got a good job as a CPA. And I did that for 10 years. And I got into this business, like a lot of people by accident where, you know, everything changed when my son was born. He had a very rare lung disease. 
we spent months at a time at Boston Children's Hospital. And at a certain point, I ran out of vacation time, ran out of sick time, had to leave my wife and my baby in the hospital to go back to a desk to trade time for money. And it sucked. And, but it was the biggest wake up call in my life. And I told my wife, Kristen, at the time, I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to find a way to build us a business that gives us the income we want without ever trading time for money. A couple months later, met a guy in a mastermind that was doing some rental arbitrage. And this is back like 2017 before it was super popular. And I was like, this is pretty cool, but it just felt weird. I was a little skeptical on the arbitrage. So I didn't have a lot of cash, but I pulled a loan out of my 401k and bought a little two bedroom condo up in the mountains in New Hampshire. It's about three hours away from where we live, but I knew the area we'd gone skiing up there a bunch. And then I did a small renovation on credit cards and just gave it a whirl. And that property was the catalyst for this business that we've grown substantially. And fast forward now, six years, we're at 101 units across five states, three boutique hotels, got the Short-Term Rental Secrets podcast. I've left my job. My wife's left her job. I've retired my mom got the STR Wealth Conference. It's just been this wild ride. And, and my son's healthy now too, which is amazing. So this whole crazy transition period of going through all that pain and everything really lit that fire and super grateful for everything that's come as a result of it. Yeah, you've built quite the ecosystem. It's been something I've built kind of a thesis on in the sense of like the creator world, right? Where you start in this realm of maybe you have a podcast and then it turns into a, a mastermind or a, a whatever. And then it evolves into a conference and a book deal and a Netflix deal. And you just, and then you have this whole ecosystem. But for you, you've started in a very interesting way of like just taking all the risk. I'm going to buy this property. We're going to put renovations on credit cards and just give it a whirl and see what happens and hope for the best. And Yep. Just pray to God that nothing worse happens. And now you've built into this crazy, crazy company of, you know, like you said, 102, 101 units, 103, 101, crazy amount of, of properties and doors. You know, last time we had you on, we just were discovering or talking about your first boutique property. And I believe it's called the Cove at Rockport. And I got super excited when I saw the Instagram because Coming from the hotel world, especially ending my hotel career in the boutique side, I, I love that stuff. And I faced so many problems as a hotel manager with lines at the front desk, key cards not working, all this, all this junk. And then I got exposed to short-term rentals and I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I needed to solve all my problems at that 70-unit hotel. So now that you've gone through that first journey, you're now at three boutique properties. I'm just curious from your perspective. I know you're buying and you're renovating and you're flipping and getting them in implemented like in short-term rental processes and operations with the locks and how you just do all this other stuff. But what have been the biggest takeaways and learnings that you've had just from that period of time of being from short-term rental, co-host, own type of model to now boutique hotel, multiple guests throughout a day turning over, you know, I believe you don't even have on-site staff. So like, how does this, what's been the biggest takeaways from, from all this? So on that note, the, the biggest, the biggest change was honestly the staffing, right? So my intention at the beginning was to run them just like short-term rentals without staff. And what I found at that first, it's a little 13 unit boutique right on the water, really cool, beautiful coastal town, but it's basically an old Victorian mansion that got chopped up in the hotel rooms over time. Yeah. And a couple things had happened where one, it was very challenging to navigate guests to the rooms because there's a lot of internal hallways and staircases and all these things. And we, we've had guests, you know, it was a, this hotel has been in business for almost a hundred years. So we've had a lot of older guests that have been coming there for 30, 40, 50 years. And they struggle with the technology, right? With the, the keypad locks and everything that we do. And so that was the first thing. And then the second thing that I realized was when somebody's paying four to $600 a night for a higher end boutique hotel, they have certain expectations. And it was very challenging to, to deliver on those expectations without staff. So we did end up staffing it. So some big changes was one getting like a, you can call it a front desk, but it's not even a front desk. It's hard to even find the office, but they're on site, right? To handle any guest issues. And, and their job is to run the back of the house, all the inventory, manage all the cleaners, do all that stuff. But first and foremost is to make sure that the guests have a five-star experience. Like that is what they're there to do. Yeah. And then we ended up transitioning from a third-party cleaning company that we had used quite a bit to taking all of that in-house because what we found 
is it's a different ball game when you get into hotels, just the sheer volume. They were just burnt out and super overwhelmed and they hung on for like a year and a half. But there were multiple times where they were like, we can't do this anymore. Like, this is just not our wheelhouse. Like we're freaking out. Like it's just, it's just too much. And so we took that in house, which again, brought its own challenges around. All right. I got to learn how to recruit. How do I onboard and train and all these other things that, you know, we've done with virtual assistants, but not with on-site staff and basically build a cleaning company. So that was an interesting challenge. The second hotel that we did is more of like a garden style apartment building. It's zoned as a hotel. It is a hotel, but they're one bedroom and studio apartments basically with full kitchens. And that one we actually do run without anybody on site. Matt is my local ops manager. He kind of floats around to our portfolio that's local here. And he pops in there a few days a week. And we built an in-house cleaning team there as well. And our lead cleaner is basically our eyes and ears on the ground. And she's a total rock star. So shout out to Anusi. She's amazing. And, you know, she's recruited cleaners for us. She manages the cleaners. She keeps eyes on the property for us, lets us know of any maintenance issues, but we don't have a front desk there. So, you know, that one is run like a traditional short-term rental, but it's also a different demographic. A lot of business travelers, extended stays. It's not a high-end place like the first one, just a different guest experience. And now this third one that we're currently renovating, this is a 57 unit. And uh, this one's going to be more of a higher end. It's, it is an urban type, but very cool area right in Salem, Massachusetts. Really excited about that one. But that one will again have somebody that's a supervisor on site. We've been working with better talent to recruit, help us recruit an on-site manager for that property, probably two, so that we could have seven day coverage. And we're working on building out a full cleaning team. Now that we have the scale of those three hotels in the same roughly geographic region, we hired a full-time maintenance manager on the team as well. So now instead of having to use third party, we've got that on our payroll. So that makes things a lot easier as well. And just really bringing in this local ecosystem and really building a traditional business with employees and staff and all these different things that was very different than I had built the short-term rental portfolio. So that was probably the biggest change was evolving into a, a much more effective leader and leading a, a larger organization. One, I love Steve Trover at Better Talent. So shout out to him because he's been a great friend, a mentor, a, a, just a confident ear that I can go to when I'm struggling with business stuff and or have ideas and very much value his opinion and insights. Awesome guy. I'm glad that you hooked up with Better Talent there just incredible. And I see you're rocking the white hat like Steve. So the right hat, the white hat, iconic symbol. You can't miss Steve at any conference without seeing that white hat. So it's just always just super fun. I'm curious. This is something I'm excited about because a lot of us, I would say like a lot of the people that we either know we've met through clubhouse, through conferences, through mastermind stuff, a lot of the creators and thought leaders in our space, a lot of us start out either buying or co-hosting or arbitraging a property and building out this kind of virtual company where most of us don't clean the toilets. We don't do any of the maintenance work. We don't talk to the guests. We build out teams and systems and it's all virtual. We have tech, we have remote locks, you name it, all that stuff. And maybe even some of us, most of us don't even live in the destination that our properties are in. I'm in Denver. I have properties in Washington, Florida, and Pennsylvania. Not anywhere close. If anything happens, it's going to take at least a day for me to probably get there from a flight and rental car or whatever. So going from that to what you have now is a local ecosystem that you're talking about with a team on payroll and creating this like a local hospitality company. With that, I'm curious, Your do you see it as a it's a better route to go than the virtual side? Is there less headaches? Is same coin, different? face. I'm curious just to kind of see your perspective on local versus virtual. Less headaches? No. <laughs> but what I will say is the hotels are just a different ball game. And it sounds sexy when I talk on different shows or on my podcast about like the numbers that we've done and the revenue and the equity and all this stuff. And that's great. But it is a different ball game. A lot more complexity, a lot more challenges, a lot more scale, a lot more at stake. I think the great thing with the short-term rentals was, is it taught me how to create process and systems because like you, we've got properties in five different states. And my first one was three hours away. 
Now, my advantage or my superpower was that I was an auditor for 10 years. So I was going into companies and auditing their processes and their efficiencies and helping them improve them. So that's my wheelhouse is process and systems. So I just leveraged that strength and really built out really good operations. And then I had to learn the marketing and all of that stuff I had to learn as I got into this. But if you're going to stick with short-term rentals, you can do it anywhere, quite frankly. And if you're going to do hotels, realistically, you could do it anywhere. Rich Summers has been a friend of mine. He's been through the mastermind. He's doing it all over the place. D has got stuff all over the place. There's ways to do it. But I would say for your first deal, in my opinion, if it makes sense in your market, I would do it in your market, quite frankly. It's just going to make it easier. It's going to give you good experience. And uh, yeah, that, that would be my recommendation. But Or you find a partner in that market and you partner up with somebody just to ease some of those stresses and anxieties that go into doing multi-million dollar deals and private money and all this other stuff. It'll just make your life a lot easier if you've got some local boots on the ground that you can trust. Yeah. It kind of leads into my next question too, is my traditional listeners back in the day were all hotel. We were, I was a hotel manager talking about hotel stuff. And I, I think a lot of listeners have carried over, but going in the short-term rental industry, I was always like, okay, hospitality, the experiences, people like, yes, this is great. I never considered myself as like a real estate person. I was a hospitality person. And for you, I'm curious, there's going to maybe some people that question, okay, if things are remote and there's no one on site outside of like the two properties that you do have a supervisor on site, where's the hospitality piece when it comes to the experience and the feelings and the way people interact with the property and kind of the destination as a whole. And I know you see it the same way as I do. So I'm kind of just curious, like how do systems, KPIs, operations, sexy in some ways to other people, maybe not the sexiest topics, but it's important. It's crucial. It's how we run a a profitable business. But the hospitality piece is so crucial for us. What's been some things that you've been able to realize or implement that really does have that key focus of hospitality in it? Yeah. And I think it is a big misconception that like, as you grow and scale and you implement systems that like you lose that, it's not true. Yeah. Right. If you build it the right way. And I know we talk about running these remote businesses, but we still have local contractors that are there cleaning the property and doing maintenance on the property. So simple example, a system, a lot of people automatically think technology it's not right. So a process could be at our property in Florida as an example, right near Disney world. We order a bunch of like Mickey looking tote bags and a photo frame and a keychain, And I think one or two other things is a welcome gift when guests go. So there's a process that after our cleaners turn over the unit, there's a checklist that they go through and they make sure that welcome gift is out next to the little welcome sign that has the Wi-Fi info and everything else with a little thank you note from us. And that's just our process. So every guest gets that thank you note and that welcome gift. And that's just part of the hospitality. And then we've trained our team of VAs that they know how to answer the phone. So all of our properties, the same team answers all the phone calls for all of them. And we have reverse number lookup so they know which property that guest is calling from so they know how to answer the phone correctly. So again, it's a process and a training issue. Mm. So you can't scale and do everything yourself. In my opinion, one of the best skills to learn is effective leadership and culture. Mm -hmm. Because if you create a culture of people that really give a shit about your guests, excuse my language, then that's going to come through and you're not going to have to babysit them because they're going to care about the guest and the guest experience. So a lot of people think they hear me and I talk numbers a lot. And again, that's my jam, but the numbers are a reflection of the experience that you create for the guest. Mm-hmm. You give bad experience. I don't care how cool your property is. It doesn't matter. It's all about the guest experience and that reflects back into your numbers. So there's ways to measure those things. So as you scale, you create these KPIs and these dashboards. So, you know, Are we moving in the right direction or do we need to fix certain things or pull certain levers to right the ship? So my role now is completely different than when I started. I'm not involved in the operations at all. I don't talk to guests. I don't talk to the cleaners. I don't talk to the contractors. Like my team runs all of that. My job is to focus on the vision of where we're going and make sure the team is rowing the boat in the right direction. And a lot of people are like, what do you actually do? Like that doesn't sound like you're doing anything you give it a whirl and see what that looks like. So it's just paying attention 
and having the data so that you know where the ship is going astray. Yeah. And from, again, not to go back to Steve Trover, but he always kind of pushes on me the rocket fuel, the book, visionary or integrator. And sounds like from your journey, obviously, I know you, you've you done a lot of the boots on the ground stuff. You've talked to guests. You've had that experience in the past, especially early days. Like we all have to, we all have to get our hands dirty a little bit. How did you... And I love that you mentioned culture. So before I ask the question, culture, I think can be a word that gets overhyped or overused and maybe not used correctly. But I think with you kind of walk me through the change or transition from integrator to visionary, because I'm naturally a visionary, but I have to be an integrator right now. There's some parts of my business. I have to be the integrator and it sucks. I hate it, but I need to do it until I can find that dedicated integrator from your perspective going into integrator to visionary and building culture, what are like maybe action steps or just things that you realize throughout your process and your journey of it that were super important for you and how it really kind of applied to the data that you're talking about, the data driven decisions, the triple D where you are kind of using that as the, like you said, steering the ship. I think a big change was I've always been a control freak, right? And I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to this. Like, this is your baby. You've put your blood, sweat, and tears into this thing. And one of the biggest challenges is when you build your team, you got to let go of that control. Mm -hmm. And it's terrifying at the beginning because you're like, what if they screw up? What if they say something stupid to a guest? What if they say something stupid to an owner? What, you know what I mean? Like there's all these variables and a big change happened when I stopped delegating little tasks and I started delegating responsibilities Mm. and there is a very big distinction because I see a lot of people complaining, especially with the VAs. Yeah. I will tell you the VAs that we use in the Philippines, they're amazing and they will work, man. They are workers, but they're used to being like task rabbit type, like delegate a task. They do it. Okay. What do you want me to do next? So the challenge was culturally of how do I get them to think independently? So delegating responsibilities, a KPI that we measure is all guest inquiries have to be answered in 10 minutes or less. And I can measure that by team member through our PMS, right? So that's one thing. Another thing is one of our team members runs all of our insurance claims or all of our damage claims, right? So like that's on them and they have certain processes that they have to follow for that. So delegating certain responsibilities to them instead of just like, Hey, can you do this? Cause then they come back to you and they're like, okay, now what do you want me to do? Yeah. But when you delegate a responsibility or a KPI or a result, delegating results was the big shift for me. And then it was creating this culture where we had all these really good SOPs. So when people came to me with a question, instead of me directly answering it right away, I'd answer it the first time. Mm -hmm. But if they asked me the same question again, it was like, did you check the SOP for this? And if they said no, I didn't destroy them. Yeah. But I would be like, then why are you asking me that question? And just pushing back on that responsibility back to them. And one of the last things that I held on to, just to give a more concrete example, was the owner reports, right? For the properties that we were managing. Yeah. That was my thing that I held on to with dear life. Cause I was a numbers guy. I knew the numbers would be right if I reviewed it and sent it out. And the week of, it was June of the last year, 2022, we were at WealthCon mm-hmm. in Nashville and it was the beginning of the month and the owner reports needed to go out. And Mark, my head VA was like, Hey, they're ready for your review. Let me know when it's good and we'll get them sent out. And I was like, Hey, I'm here. I'm not going to have time to review them. I trust you. Send them out. Hmm. Now, how many times do you think he double checked his work before he sent it? Probably a hundred times. So again, it's scary, but when you create that culture of when you empower your team and you show them that you're empowering them and you're giving them a shot. And I said in the text, I'm counting on you to make sure this is right. Right. Like it's a different, different level of accountability and people will rise to the occasion or they'll fail. And if they keep failing, then you're going to need to replace them. But if you never give them the shot to rise to the occasion, you're shooting yourself and them in the foot. Mm. So you really got to let go and have these guardrails in place. Now, remember I had been training him on these 
owner reports for four months. So he'd been watching me go through and review them with him for four months straight before that. So this wasn't his first rodeo. I didn't just throw him into the fire. Yeah. I've been working with him for months to, to show him the process. Eventually you gotta let go. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I've recently had an experience like that with one of my first like diehard right hand teammates. I won't mention her name just for the sake of the story, but there was a part where I we had a one on one and I was like, hey, I believe that you can do this. And I've given you like this promotion and this role for a specific reason, because I've since the day we started working together, I saw you in this leadership position. Do you believe you can do this? Because I have, and I just don't know if you know that I believe in you. And she's like, honestly, I needed to hear you say that because I knew I could do it, but I didn't know if you knew I could do it. And I'm over here thinking like, I know she can do it. Does she know she can do it? So we just didn't have that communication. And the moment I said that, it was like game changing, game changing. I remember calling my business coach. I'm like, I was emotional. I was like, holy shit. I can't believe like that conversation was so good. And we just literally for months just missing that piece of like, I believe in you, go execute and rise to the occasion versus her thing. I, I want to rise to the occasion but I don't know if I have that release or that, that stamp of approval. And so just that piece is so crucial for you. Did you see a shift that moment that crucial? I believe in you to do this, send them out. I don't have time to do like, I don't have time to, did you see a similar kind of reaction? I, or? I knew I couldn't trust him before. Like we'd already been down that road and he'd shown me before that, that he could take stuff and run with it. But that was just that last thing that I was hanging on to for dear life. And I didn't have a choice. Like I was running around like crazy at WealthCon. There was no chance I was going to sit down and review owner reports for two hours. Like it just wasn't going to happen. So I had to finally let go and trust him. And just the wording that I used, if I'm counting on you, that again, he had to elevate to the occasion. And I think it's also important, a couple other things, is to make sure that you know what your team's goals are, not just professionally, but personally as well. And if you can align where you're going in the business with where they're going personally and professionally, they're never going to want to leave you, you know, because if they can get what they want through you as this vehicle, then why would they leave? So just treat your people well, make sure that they know that you genuinely care about them. You talk to anybody on my team, they know I would do anything for them and it works both ways, right? So that's what I mean about creating a culture of keeping the vision of where we're going and why that's important but also that we're a team. And even six months ago, we had hired another VA. And within a month, I realized she wasn't on the calls anymore. I was like, what happened? And they were like, she wasn't a good fit. She just wasn't a culture fit. Like she wasn't that team player and she couldn't keep up with our high standards. And the team pushed her out. I didn't have to do anything. You know what I mean? So that's the power of a good culture. All right, Slick Talkers. Now for another dynamic sponsored duo of the podcast. I would love to introduce you to Vintory and Safely. About Vintory, we've had Brooke Fotts on the podcast, who is a founder, multiple times, and him and his team know numbers. They know data and they know marketing. They know how to help property managers just like you scale and grow their business by adding more inventory, aka more homes, into your rental program that drive the bottom line. For all of you listeners that want to learn how to scale and grow your inventory, you can get a free digital copy of Brooke's book called From Zero to 500 Properties in Five Years. And for an added bonus, if you would do a demo of the Vintory platform, you'll get a $50 gift card to Amazon. Now that's a sick deal. And now to touch on our friends at Safely.com. Safely.com helps property managers just like you and I protecting the homes that they manage from structural damage to content damage and of course bodily injury. This means plates, linens, cups, couches, tables, curtains, walls, and of course your guests themselves are protected. And this helps you by scaling your company in order to ensure that you are retaining owners and inventory in your program. If anything is broken or if anyone is hurt, you are able to make a claim through Safely and within three business days you can get instantly paid out to replace any items and settle any claims that happen on site without having to deduct from your owner's payouts. That's why I call these guys the dynamic sponsor duo. And thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Check out their offers in the show notes and back to the episode. Wow. And you talk about the words you use when you told them I'm counting on you. How intentional is that with you and your day-to-day 
And I also have another follow-up question with it in the sense of what you just said, but I'm kind of curious on your intentionality behind the words that you use with your team. Yeah, that was hyper-intentional. <laughs> that one was definitely hyper-intentional. I'd love to say I'm perfect. I'm not. No. Every once in a while, I lose my cool and whatever, but there are certain things, especially if you need to have you know, those crucial candor conversations with different people. Mm. I've had those over the years and I hate doing them. I really don't like conflict. And a lot of people probably don't believe that because I can come across as pretty blunt sometimes, but I really, it makes my skin crawl. But I always remember that if I don't do it, I'm doing this person a disservice and I'm not letting them know what's true and to rise to the occasion. So I've had conversations before where I'm like, dude, you're better than this. What's going on? Like you are, you are better than this. Right. And you know, I've seen your work do this, this, and this, but like, what's this issue right here? Right. And just trying to be transparent. And again, I don't like doing it. I don't think a lot of people like doing it, but if you don't do it, you're doing yourself, but also your team a disservice by not giving them that feedback. One of the crucial moments as well, and not in the like a cheesy way, but once we kind of defined, I think, core values, not only as a company, but as personal, like my personal core values, how do I lead my day-to-day -day life? And putting it on paper was super important and sharing it with the team and having them put their input and us kind of all contributing to this company core value set was super important. And it's been the best thing because it's helped us guide on every decision, whether it's a good decision or a bad decision in the sense of a really exciting opportunity or a deal or whatever it might be to then like a negative consequence of like, all right, this is something that's suffering or this is an area that we're not, we're not doing great at or whatever it might be. And it's been great for our decision making. And, and it's not like the cheesy, like our mission statement is this, this and this. And we're here to provide rainbows and butterflies for all the like whatever it might be. Like legit, like our one of our core values is attention to detail, no matter how big or how small. Having the hard conversations, no matter how uncomfortable it makes us, because it's going to better ourselves, our team, and our clients, or whatever the, the phrasing is. And going into stuff like that on being super, again, intentional, it's been super important for us. For you guys, did you ever, when it comes to culture, and because I think it can be taken in such a weird, again, that cheesy, just like fake, rainbows and butterflies, core values, da, 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 overhyped, not executed or lived out type of, but it's always talked about and said with yeah. you guys. Yeah. Just kind of give me some, some insight on, on stuff like that with you. Yeah. And I, it's, it's funny you say that. Cause like I went to school, I got my MBA, all this stuff and they talked about it and it was all, it just felt like fluff to me. And then as the team grew, I've, I've worked with various business coaches. I hired somebody from EOS, the, you know, yeah. traction book and all that Track. stuff to help implement that. I've, I've implemented other stuff and I've tried to split test them. I've got a couple different businesses. So I run them each a little bit different and I fine tune them, but it does make a big difference. And it shows it, it again, it helps create the alignment as an example. One of ours is extreme ownership. You know, it's one of my favorite books, but it's also like, again, getting over that cultural barrier of just task delegating. I'm like, no, I need you to own this. Take extreme ownership yeah. of it. If something comes up. One of the things I'm super proud of is like, I don't have dedicated set vacation time. My team can take vacation whenever they want, but it's mm. on them to own that and find somebody to cover for them when they're off. And so they'll take yeah. time off all the time and they just cover for each other and it's not a big deal at all, right? It's just part of the culture. Um, mm -hmm. The other one is correct the process, not the person. So at the beginning, it, it's hard to, especially if somebody makes a big mistake or a stupid mistake that they've consistently made, you want to like scream at them. But it's like taking that step back of like, all right, what is the process that we're following right now? And is there an issue with the process? Because 99% of the time it's a process issue. Mm -hmm. And it all falls back on you as the, the CEO and the owner of your business. Success through the success of others is, is another big one that we have right? Of like, it's not just you and it's not just me. Like our success is dependent upon the success of others. A rising tide rises all ships, right? So those things, they might sound cheesy as you're listening to them, but when your team, when you reinforce it with your team and everybody starts to operate that way, your life gets so much easier because you don't have to babysit and you don't have to do these things because the team believes in it and believes in you as the leader. They just own it. Mm -hmm. Love that. Uh, you just got me all amped up. And the, I, I asked this questions specifically and intentionally because, you know, I know for you, not only has your business evolved from property management and boutique hotel ownership and 
all this other stuff, but you've gotten, you've been one of the few people that I've seen in and outside of our industry that can really execute on a proper virtual assistant team. And I know you've gone into this route now where you guys are basically recruiting and setting up the systems and doing all the onboarding and finding this remote team. Give me some insight on executing this with a culture that is virtual. You're not in person. I'm not on, you know, I, I remember working hotel jobs or restaurant jobs and the, the talk of culture and systems and all that stuff would be part of our weekly or daily meetings. And it was, it was fine. Cause like you're in person, right? Like you, you get to work with your co- coworkers. You don't have Slack and you know, notifications going off a hundred different ways and Airbnb and Asana and Slack and all these different softwares, breezeway, whatever. Now you're doing this all remote. How do you cultivate a culture with especially VAs and just a team that is virtual in, in general that, can thrive. And again, and a great example, when you bring somebody on and they're not a good fit, they naturally push. It's like, Oh no, you're not a good fit for this. Like we, we have an ecosystem. We have a, uh, one of our core values is that we, we are not family. And I put that in quotes. We are not family, but we are a team and we are able to be friendly and in and outside of each other's lives of work in order to build true camaraderie. That's the one big thing. I hate the, we're a family. We would do anything like, yeah, I would do anything for my team, but we're not family. I didn't grow up with them and they don't have the same mom and dad and, you know, experiences that I had as a, as a child to, to say we're family. Cause at the end of the day, we're not, but we can be great friends and trust each other and believe in each other, especially come from the military. That was such a big part. Like, they're yeah my brothers and sisters but we weren't family it was more of a, a really just true close bond and friendship so doing this remotely i think is a big challenge for everybody and i'm curious to hear you know as you build out this new this new business and and everything you know how how is that impacted it's it's being intentional with it and remind me after I'll, I'll give the listeners a link i literally just did a webinar on this like two weeks ago and I called it the freedom code, but it's basically the seven steps I use to like elevate the CEO. And I don't know if you caught the talk when we were in Nashville, but I, I, I broke down this whole transition of like the evolution of the different roles I've played in my business and how I've elevated myself into that CEO role over time. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give them that at the end. Just remind me. But yeah. the big thing is a couple things. And I've gotten, I'm, I'm no genius. I just learn from people that are way ahead of me. And so things I've learned from some business coaches were, make sure that you create a consistent cadence to touch base with your team and have a structure around that. So, you know, I talk a lot that I work less than four hours a week on that business. The two hours there to most of the time it's around two right now. It's a little more cause I'm running around to the different hotels and checking in on projects, but I have a manager meeting every Thursday where I meet with Matt and Mark and now Sandy, who's elevating up to Mark's position. And we've run through any agenda items that they need, anything they need from me, giving me feedback on the rest of the team, any issues that are arising. My job in that meeting is to just remove any roadblocks so they can keep trucking and doing what they need to do. Hmm. And then every Friday, we have an all-staff meeting. And we have an agenda that we go through every single week. We start with personal and professional wins. Like, what was your win in the business this week? What was your win personally this week? And then we go through any issues that have come up you know, guest issues, review issues. We review anything that's less than a five-star review. We review that review in detail. And again, assess like, what can we do better? How do we improve? Then we review all of our KPIs as a team. Everything from, you know, revenue, occupancy, rev par, average response time to guests, all these, a bunch of different KPIs that we go through for the entire portfolio. We've got our um, hotel supervisor, for the Cove that jumps in at the beginning of that meeting to give an update on that property. Now we've got our new full-time maintenance coordinator who jumps into that call, gives us an update on all the maintenance around all the different properties. So we have this cadence, right? So everybody gets on the same page. We have a method to communicate effectively. Like I was alluding to you, I think offline or earlier around if the team needs to get in touch with me, like they use WhatsApp to communicate with all the cleaners and contractors. I'm not in there because there's a thousand messages. So I don't even look at it. I'm like, if, if they know if they need me, they text my cell phone directly and I'll get back to them within the hour. Mm-hmm. Like that's just standard protocol. It's very, very rare that they even need to reach out to me because we have the infrastructure in place that there's managers and supervisors. But if they do need me, they're welcome to reach out to me via text. But something we started doing like a year, year and a half ago was 
you know, I can't just fly all of them over here, you know, for team outings and stuff. So what we decided to do was we let the whole team have their own local retreats and I pay for it. So they'll go away to some resort for a weekend and take their whole family and we cover the whole thing. Right. So it's just a good way for them to build that camaraderie as a local team. And they're super appreciative of that. Like they absolutely love it. And then locally, you know, we have like a Christmas party that we started doing last year and it, it's just fun to just, now that we've got a more of a local presence here, we invite all the cleaners, the supervisors, the maintenance folks, everybody's families, and we host it at one of the hotels. And yeah. so, you know, trying to do those little things to, to continue to foster that camaraderie that you'd typically find at some big corporation, you know, and I think, I think we miss those opportunities. And if you don't have a huge organization, that's fine. Anytime I go to Florida, I only got one property down in the Kissimmee area, but anytime I go down there, last time I took my cleaner and her, his family out to dinner, to a steakhouse, and then I took him golfing with a couple other mastermind guys. And I mean, like, I, I just do those little things when I'm traveling to different areas because I want to show my appreciation and it's not BS. It's like, no, I genuinely appreciate everything and I want yeah. you to know that, you know, and because yeah. I've done that, we... We just have this bond that they they will go out of their way to make sure our properties stand out and our guests have a great experience. I don't care if it's two in the morning, they would jump out of bed for me in two seconds because I treat them like humans. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people miss that. It's not just the hospitality towards the guests, it's towards your team. No. Man, you're firing me up. I love it. This is this is a great, just great mindset to have around it. I think a, a lot of people can get so focused on like the entrepreneur life and building a business and talking all the stuff and then at the end of the day like you know your team is super important they are people they have lives it's important to be in touch with that just as important to be for you to be in touch with your own personal life and your family and your friends and all the stuff outside of work so super cool uh, now just kind of curious i i know we've kind of built up to this moment i you said mark is now kind of elevating on sally's moving into his position and what what is this big transition for you guys and what have some like obviously you're you're getting ready for just again it's a new venture a new offering kind of give me some insight on this because i know people listening are probably like damn like that would be great but it's the biggest struggle is virtual teams especially overseas it's more of like like you said i think having a hard time being task focused versus responsibility focused so kind of walk us through what's going on what's changing what are you what are you guys doing and what's been super exciting about it for you yeah so i mean most of my time now is spent on the education side you know between the podcast and then the different coaching programs that we have that's what i love doing and it just yeah. a random sidebar for the listeners when people get into this and they grow their business, the first question I always ask is like, why? Like, what is, what is your ultimate goal? And for most people, it's financial freedom. So then the follow-up question is, yeah. when you are financially free, what do you want to do with your time? And I had a mentor probably seven years ago ask me this question. He said, if you were making $10 million a year, Mike, and you never had to worry about money again, what would you be doing with your time? And I said, I would be teaching financial education. Because I spent all this money on an undergrad degree and an MBA and a CPA, and nobody could ever teach me about money and how it worked and how to create financial freedom for myself. So I said, I'm going to dedicate my life to that. I'm super passionate about that. And that's what I get to do now. And it's just through this vehicle of short-term rentals and hotels and teaching people how to create income streams and businesses and everything. So that's where I spend most of my time. So we've been coaching since 2019. Got a few different programs. And like a year and a half ago, some of the students were reaching out like, hey, is there any way you, you could help us recruit VAs for us? Like, we get it. Like, this makes sense. You've got all the systems. You taught us everything we need to do. Could you do it for us or help us do it? And so Mark, who I've been referring to, he's been with me for three years now. And he pretty much runs the show on, the, on a lot of the property side. But he was employee number four at Airbnb's call center in the Philippines before he was with me. And he grew them to 5,000 agents. So he has a massive Rolodex of people that are working in the trenches at Airbnb, handling all this stuff. And so he, anytime we need new people, he just goes back to people that used to work for him and he just places them in my company. So we started doing that for our students like a year and a half ago and they freaking loved it. And I've kind of kept that like on the hush just because mm -hmm. 
I didn't think that we would scale it and because I didn't think Mark would have time. But he loves doing it, and that's his own business now, and he's doing great, and it works. And so now he wants to continue to grow that, and I want to help him grow that. And so he's stepping down from the ops manager in my property business to continue growing a VA recruiting service. So now folks outside of my mastermind, we can offer that service and we just package it with 90 day coaching program, but we'll go out, we'll recruit, we'll onboard them, we'll train them. And then we'll work with you for 90 days to, to coach you up on this. And I give everybody my entire SOP playbook that we use to run our whole portfolio. So like the exact standard operating procedures, templates, checklists, all my video trainings, everything that I've used for my team. And I give that to you as a baseline because a lot of people did, it's a lot of work to build these out. And I don't want to blow smoke that it's easy. It's not. And it takes time. But at least with this, you have a baseline of like, okay, we can use this for now. And then we coach you and help you build them out over 90 days as this new person comes on board. And then there's ongoing support with Mark and his team for the life of that contract with the VA. So that we just released a couple of weeks ago and I'm excited about it. I'm happy for Mark because he, he loves doing it and it's, it's tough because he's a rock star and I love having him on my team, but at the same time, like I'm happy for him, you know, and I, I want to help him grow that because he's great at it. So, yeah, well, it goes just back to what you were just saying. You know, he, he is, he's a human, he has his own passions outside of, you know, that, but the fact that you're able to be a part of that transition for him and see that he was very passionate about it, not just be like, Oh yeah, that's great that you're passionate about it, but keep, you stay over here. You, you need to be you, out of the hotel. Get back to work. What are you doing? You know, that that itself just speaks to the whole, you know, 40 plus minutes that we've just been talking. So that's, that's awesome. And I'm glad to hear it because I think it's been a big struggle for a lot of operators and a lot of listeners. You know, we do have a lot of people that have local brands, you know, you know, companies that are all based in the U.S. and they have great teams and they've been, you know, the traditional vacation rental manager. But there are a lot of people, especially that attend STR Wealth Conference and, you know, other conferences in our industry that are figuring this out and trying to, you know, trying to really build out that virtual side. And, and it's, it's hard. It's a challenge and it's not easy. And none of this is easy, but it's definitely adds another piece to it for sure. So that's really exciting. I'm excited for you guys. Now I gave you a heads up before we started recording and this was not intentional. I did not reach out to certain guests and try to rec you know record in a certain order. I just give my, my recording link out and say, book whatever time is best every guest before the guests that we were, were were with we asked them to leave a question for the next guest without telling them who's next so the guest before you coincidentally was uh bill faith so bill faith was on this morning and we chatted and did his episode and i didn't tell him that you were next i just said hey there's gonna be a guest after you what's your question for them his first question was not a real question but he said what hair product do you think i use in my hair to keep this this flow so so great i told him it's all natural so no hair products to guess today but the real true intentional question is how do you handle professional adversity in private how do i handle professional adversity in private so we didn't really talk about this much today but i've been heavy on personal development for a decade at this point. And I still, you know, I invest a lot of money into a mastermind group that I've been a part of that all we focus on is, is mindset and professional development. And as a leader and a CEO in your business, you have to be able to keep a level head. And I am far from perfect from this, but again, it's just being mindful of it. And so it's, it's understanding how do you, what are your outlets, right? So as an example for me, it's like right after this, I have a non-negotiable every week. I go get an hour massage at this place next to my office. It's non-negotiable. It's just on my calendar, hmm. right? So like, that's just part of my routine. I golf at least once a week in the summer. That's part of my routine. It's just taking those, I think it was Alex Sharfin. I got this from years ago. He did a talk and he talked about like, okay, everybody wants to build this multi-million dollar business, right? Using the analogy of like a million dollar racehorse. You wouldn't buy a million dollar racehorse and train that thing into the ground and feed it like shit and never let it sleep and just beat it down over and over again. But that's what so many entrepreneurs do. And we don't take care of ourselves and we let all the stress pile up and we work a million hours and we don't sleep and we're taught to, you just got to grind it out and do all this crap. And it, it's bullshit. It, it really is bullshit. I don't work a lot 
anymore. And my, my work is very intentional and, and very focused, but I take care of myself. I treat myself like a million dollar racehorse. Right. And that it's important and it might sound bougie, but I promise you it pays insane dividends because when you have a clear head and you're ready to go and you're fully energized and charged up, that energy is going to pass into your team. And to be honest, that's, that's what really matters because they're the ones out there executing it. So having those outlets in place, having a peer group of, you know, friends and professionals that will support, encourage and challenge you is huge. So yeah, that's what I would, that's how I would answer that. I like it. That's a good answer for you without knowing who the next guest is and giving it away. What would your question be to them? It could be anything professional, business, personal, all the above. I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this. What is one thing that you know you should be doing that would have a great impact on your business, but you know you're not doing it? Hmm. Dang. Yeah. I can think of a couple, to be honest, but I will let the we next all guest. Can, and that's why I'm curious. <laughs> I'm going to listen because I want to hear it because we all have those things that we know we should be doing we're avoiding them for whatever reason yeah no i love that that's great well mike i i know we're going to include all of your socials anything that you're doing basically in the show notes but if you had one link for any of the listeners who are just like man this was a great episode i want to connect with mike what link would you use that you would say is like the best way for them to connect with you yeah it would probably be that webinar that i did just because it really went deep on a lot of the stuff that we talked about so that's str like short-term rental strsecrets.com slash freedom code freedom strsecrets.com slash freedom code it's like 40 45 minutes max but i i squeezed a lot in there in that one so awesome well i love it and thank you again for being a guest on the podcast and in the show it's been great to be friends with you and connect with you and work with you on your show and just see the things that you guys have been doing and you know, thank you again for also letting me and Julie George be the co MCs at the STR Wealth Conference this year. It was super fun. You guys have built such an incredible community, and it's just great, especially after the the time of COVID that we all went through, going from Clubhouse to you know virtual podcasts and Zooms and stuff to just finally be in the room together. And so I'm just super excited to continue to watch and be a part of everything from afar. And yeah, man, you're, you've been killing it. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. My pleasure, man. Thank you. Of course, you heard it here first, Slick Talkers. Make sure you like and subscribe everything STR Secrets, and we'll make sure that all the links and things that you need to know are in the show notes, and you know what to do from there. But make sure you like and subscribe, and we'll see you all again next week. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week. 